I've seen deals fall apart or come together over very, very, very small things. We're coming together with all of our knowledge, all of our experience, all of the people that we bring to this table and we're able to, uh, to really uh, negotiate on your best behalf. Real estate agents, welcome back to the RMG Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Reed Moore, and as always, I just want to say thank you so much for coming along for the ride with us. I love, uh, I'm so passionate about leadership, I'm so passionate about my family and other things, but I'm also passionate about real estate agents. That's you, and that's what this podcast is all about, about to make an impact in your life, to empower you, and to encourage you to go farther, to do more, and to build a great life and career out of real estate. Uh, to get more from us, I wanna make sure that you guys are liking and subscribing and even commenting on the things that really stand out to you. That helps Jake and I with the feedback to know where to to point our energy next. You can also go to our website, rmgagentpodcast.com to connect with us, uh, to, to read our blog or any of the other things we're doing. And I also want to just remind you, February 13th, which is this next week, we are dro dropping a webinar uh, called Come With Me If You Want to Live. And Jake and I are going to be laying out a bunch of things that we think are going to help agents uh, survive and then thrive in 2024. And uh, just wanted to invite you guys to that. That you can go to the website to sign up. And speaking of Jake, speaking of the Terminator, which is where that line comes from, the one, the only Jake Bartlett, my co-host. Welcome, buddy. Yeah, thanks. I am. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, it's starting to get warmer, which also is exciting for me. I'm ready for summer to get here. Um, maybe some golf season. So uh, we are going to do the third episode of the This Is the Way series, and yes. this one is going to be This Is the Way application approved uh but before we get jump into that we we need to go back make sure that you have gone back and listened to the last two episodes uh as well as the previous one where we kind of set the stage so this is yeah. actually the fourth of the series essentially yeah um we're going to talk first about the trusted guide or the Sherpa. Yeah, so the way that we're thinking about this is this idea that real estate agents that are going to thrive or continue to thrive, they're going to have to learn how to close for compensation uh, with any client, not just on the listing side anymore. And so in order to close for compensation, the way that we've been thinking about this is you have to be a trusted guide. Mm -hmm. And a, a trusted guide is somebody who is going to be able to get paid for what they're doing. So if you think about a Sherpa for somebody climbing Mount Everest, or you think of any guide. Uh, we talked about a vacation that I went on where there was a trusted guide and how incredible that was, and, and I, I paid for it, and it was absolutely worth it. So a trusted guide comes down to three things that a few episodes ago we, we laid out this, this model, which was uh, a triangle, and that is that a trusted guide brings a level of professional knowledge to the table, and we broke that down into the different parts. They bring a high level of access because one of the very, very underrated things that a trusted guide brings is all of their resources, all of their connections, all of the other experts that then the client has access to, right? And so we're taking that, and now today we're talking about the, the third one, which is application. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to apply this really, really well to the individual client's needs? Yep. So we're going to jump into talking about application of your knowledge and one of the things that uh, 
buyers definitely need from us is our application of negotiations, right? Yeah. So um, most buyers, you know, could fumble their way through a transaction without an agent, most likely. Uh, could they get the best deal? Could they get under contract in tough, uh, tough situations where they're competing, all those things? So uh, application of your negotiations. Yeah. So uh, when we think about negotiation skills, uh, if, if you look at it just at kind of a flyby, it's this idea of can I uh, negotiate monetarily better than the other agent or the other person on the other side? And that that is really the kind of the 1.0 of negotiation. And, and it's very, very true that you will have clients in your real estate career, especially if you uh, if you operate with higher end, maybe more sophisticated sophisticated clients that are better technical negotiators than you, mm-hmm. right? Or they may even be professional negotiators. The issue is where where uh, our application of our knowledge and our access really comes to bear is when we stop and we think about negotiations in a little broader terms. We think about when when we walk into a real estate situation, if we have leveled up all of the areas of our professional knowledge, including the knowledge of our particular client or consumer, Mm -hmm. and we have brought to bear all of the different people that we have access to with all of their knowledge, now when we talk about negotiation, it's not just about the price, but it's about being able to help this person in this particular situation be able to negotiate through the buying and selling process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that actually comes down to things that don't have a monetary value. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I would look at it as, you know, playing, uh, negotiating with a full chess board, Mm -hmm. playing chess with the full, all the pieces opposed to if I took away your queen and, and half your pawns and, and, uh, you know, half the other pieces and then tried to negotiate by yourself, right? We're coming together with all of our knowledge, all of our experience, all of the people that we bring right. to this table. And we're able to uh, to really uh, negotiate on your best behalf. Yeah. And so so if you, if you think about negotiations when it comes to price, you're thinking checkers, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm a pretty fantastic checker player. Yeah. But when you start t- talking about all of the things that you can grow into in your profession, you really do start looking at a chessboard. Mm-hmm. And I've seen deals fall apart or come together over very, very, very small things, right? Even things like uh, like pets. Mm-hmm. I like just the, the craziest little things. Because if you remember, your client, even if they're highly sophisticated, even if they're an excellent negotiator, they are not a logical being. They are an emotional being who happens to also be logical, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you do a great job with your consumer knowledge and you really get to understand what they're wanting, but not just them, you start to understand what the other agent is like on the other side. Maybe you've done some research on the other agent and you start to understand to whatever extent you can their client. Now you start to uh, figure out what everybody needs. And ultimately we want win-win negotiations. And the the more excellent that I get with applying my knowledge and my access, the more I can take multiple different pieces and create like kind of weave a lot of wins in. And and we, we think about that um, sometimes in team building or in leadership. And we, we talk about in our company, we talk about not having single points of failure. And so in negotiations, when everything is about the bottom line price, and there are some deals that are like that, most of them are not. When everything's about the bottom line price, you have the single point of failure. So you have a buyer who wants to buy, you have a seller who wants to sell, and there are maybe 10 or 12 different things that are important in the scenario, Mm -hmm. but everybody fixates on one. 
and it might not even in this scenario be the most important one. I've just created a single point of failure. If I can uh, understand that I have the ability to help negotiate and bring a meeting of the minds together around six or seven or eight of those 12 things. Now, all of a sudden, when price becomes a major frictional piece, it's not a single point of failure. Yes, we have to still negotiate through the price, but if everybody is moving out and has storage and uh, you know their, their animals are being taken care of and their families being taken care of and, and just all the different pieces are in play because I've been able to successfully uh, negotiate all of that, now we're working with a much more stable situation and ultimately a more stable buyer and seller. Yeah, I know that during the uh, the crazy markets that we saw here in 2021, 2022, uh, there was very few of those deals that came down to the, the exact dollar figure that was the most important. It was usually how, uh, with the as, as a listing agent, how am I going to help these clients get as much money possible, but also figure out how they're going to be able to maximize that money to buy their next house, right? Yeah. That, t- that took the knowledge and, and the skills to be able to to na- navigate that, as well as when you're working with the buyer on that situation, like knowing that price wasn't the most important to those people, how can I put my client in the best situation by leveraging other items like hey do they need a 60-day closing do they need a 90-day closing do they need a rent back do they want um do they want free rent for a month Mm -hmm. would that make things easier is there all sorts of different things that you can move around like the chessboard right it's not just checkers it's you can't just move forward right like you can move other pieces so yeah uh those unique ones or unique terms that we come across tend to be the more knowledge you have, the better they, they come across. So let's yes. talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, one of the things, and is, this goes back to, as a starting point to client knowledge, starting with your client that you sat down and whether it was the list, you know, listing the property or, or helping somebody buy, you did a, a thorough job uh, in that intake, is identifying things that are important to them that may actually be free or of non-consequence to the other side. And so these things sometimes can be uh, as simple as furniture, Right. Sometimes people, uh, sometimes hot tubs, furniture, uh, beds, all of these things for some clients when they go to sell, uh, they, they, they plan on fully replacing all those things. And the fact that they actually just have to move it is a complete nightmare in their eyes. And you may have a buyer who doesn't really even have the ability to afford to fully furnish their property. So over here, you have somebody that knows they have something of value, but if they're being honest with themselves, it's, it's, a, it's a hassle, it's not a value. And over here, you have somebody that needs that. So this group of people over here, they end up maybe getting a more robust price for the house, maybe $10,000, and they might leave $30,000 worth of furniture and equipment. And for them, it's a win. For your client, it's a win, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's knowing all of those different little nuances uh, about what are the different elements and value that are on the table, and then what are the different things that might be pressure points for your client? And you don't need to necessarily ask about furniture, but if you do a great job listening, which we're gonna talk about in our next episode, you'll start to get a sense of what things are going to be problematic for your clients and what things uh, are, are gonna be kind of irrelevant. It's really great when you can keep 
your client uh, their perspective correct, right? Because clients tend to get caught up in yes. the in the transaction, especially during the negotiations of what's important to them. And you said something about like the win-win situation. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a great way of, of looking forward into a transaction and seeing how how you can do best for your client, but also make the transaction work for them, which yes. ultimately is is best for them. Um, and so when we talk about perspective in in this transaction or in in this process um how do you look at that yeah so so when we talk about application we we apply our knowledge to negotiations and then we apply our knowledge and access over here to perspective and again it's a little bit like access it's really really um underrated how incredibly important perspective is and for you as a real estate professional if you can maintain uh, a high level perspective on the transaction and a high level perspective on what your client said their actual needs and wants are you're going to be a buffer uh, for the transaction when it comes to them losing perspective and there's a few things that that we can do around this idea of perspective one is that uh, if you think about it this way just zooming out for a second a trusted guide always has perspective your clients, whether they have, are brand new to real estate or they have sold five or six or 10 homes, they haven't sold two or 3,000 homes, right? They may have climbed some mountains before, but they haven't climbed Everest. And so the fact that I can sit down with them and say, uh, hey, uh, as your trusted guide, I want to let you know that's actually not the peak of the mountain. What you think you see here is a false peak. And in fact, we have five or six more after that. Trust me, I will help you navigate that. That perspective, the perspective of I have been here and done that, uh, applied correctly. And when I say applied correctly, is perspective as well as negotiations are always applied uh, through this lens of my client knowledge, right? Because if I'm trying to apply things that just don't matter to that person, I actually start uh, breaking down the the trust that I have with the client because I'm I'm trying to help them with things that they don't care about. It makes me think of a. a- a lawsuit that I heard about uh, in our area probably seven, eight years ago. And it was the agent didn't do a great job of keeping things in perspective on a home inspection. Sure. Uh, and they just went through, you know, neither the, the agent or the buyer were at the home inspection, which I don't love, right? Like I would love one or the other to be there. Uh, and the, the, Buyer went through this home inspection report, which actually turned out to be one of the cleanest home inspections that like we've ever seen. And he read the part about a pressure relief valve pipe. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? Oh, like, yeah. so the pressure relief valve pipe on your hot water tank, uh, it was missing the pipe that runs to the ground. Sure. But in the in the boilerplate for the home inspection, it talks about like burning children, right? Like scolding <laughs> children with their fa- yes. in their yeah. face, and and uh, so the agent didn't do a great job of keeping the buyer's perspective of like, hey, this is a Home Depot part for $10. You screw it in and you just cut it off six inches from the ground and it's fine. So they asked for it. They beat the sellers up on price already. And the seller said no. Buyers felt jilted because they didn't know what it was. Well, come to find out like six months later, this buyer finds out that they that she lost out on this house because of this $10 part and her client didn't know what it was and she ultimately ended up suing. So when you're talking about keeping things in perspective for your client right. and, and the knowledge that you should have, that's an application of that. Yes. I, I had clients one time and they, uh, they, they wanted a newer house, but they fell in love with a house that was a little bit older. 
right? Mm-hmm. The house was really, really well taken care of, and it really kind of had all the markers of a, a nicer, newer house that was going to be low maintenance. The issue is, when the inspection came back, the foundation on one side was folding in and, and crumbling, and and they they started to lose their mind, right? They were going to kill the deal and, and everything, but we, you know, one one of the things that we learned in negotiations was don't ever let the ball land in your court, kind of like you're playing tennis, right? Mm-hmm. Like you always volley it back, right? Mm-hmm. You always make it die in the other person's court. I said, hey, let's, let's, you know, so we just, we step back and say, okay, so with this house, it checks off all these boxes of a newer house with the exception of the foundation. And the foundation, if it was in good shape, would be 50 years old, right? What if the sellers were willing to replace the foundation so now you have this great, beautiful house that really checks all these boxes. And one of the biggest points of failure for an older home that's expensive is actually brand new. Would that work for you? Right. So they go from being, you know, like it's really pretty emotionally devastating because they fell in love with the house to, um, you know, to that. We went and asked and the seller said, yes. They didn't negotiate. They, yeah. they just said, yes, get the house jacked up. They, they had it engineered, had a whole plan together, dropped, I think at the time it was 35000 probably more like sixty today. Mm-hmm. So, so the thing is, is that when you end up in those situations, you have to be able to apply the knowledge, again, through, apply, the application is the client, the situation through the client knowledge. Yeah, yeah so I, the way I, I listen to that story and what it makes me think of is that you removed their doubt, right? Like they were probably had a great deal of doubt through that that process of like, should we buy this with a crappy you know foundation that's falling apart, or like, what if we don't buy this? That then we're back to doing looking again, and we hadn't found anything, and and they had a lot of doubt in that situation. You stepped up, gave them a plan, mm-hmm. got their buy in on it move forward and use your skills mm-hmm. and your knowledge to be able to negotiate for them. Yeah, and one of the things just where perspective and negotiations start to come together is just know that um, you and I and every other person has a strong tendency to go binary, mm-hmm. right? And to create uh, what, what's called a false dichotomy. And that is you have this choice or you have this choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, right, almost all the time, there are far more than two choices. We do this in business where we'll present somebody with two choices, but but that's a good way to not make good decisions because there might be five choices. Right. And so when, when we are negotiating and people start to fixate on, do I kill the deal or do I go all in or do I pay more or do I pay less? And, and those feel like the only options. If I can bring perspective, I can bring other alternative solutions to the table, which help us negotiate through to the end. And that perspective, like another way of thinking about perspective is context. So in communication, context is king. Most communication fails because two people don't share the same context. We walk into a conversation. I assume you know what I'm talking about. You assume I know what I'm talking about. And now we start communicating. And the reality is, is we have two different dictionaries. Mm-hmm. And so we start having this conversation and I started getting mad and you started getting frustrated because we cannot connect or come to terms on anything. And the reality is, is that as an agent, I haven't gone back, repainted the context, even check the context to make sure what they said they wanted is still what they want. Then to, uh, to underwrite my, the perspective with mm-hmm. that and then negotiate from there. Yeah. 
it makes me think of uh, what's that famous drawing where the two people are hanging off the ledge. One person's holding the other person and they've got a boulder on them and the other person's hanging off the ledge, but they're being bit by a snake and they don't yeah. understand why the other person's not pulling themselves up. Right. Like right. you haven't created the, the correct context and understanding. So when we want to we want to understand our clients and, and what's important to them. The way that you do that is you do that through asking, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so we, we take, we take all of this, uh, we talk about, you know, we started all this talking about being able to close for compensation and to be the trusted guide. And this actually comes back to the one thing that matters in everything that we do. And that is being able to ask. And we can say that that really starts and ends with being ready, willing, and able to ask for business. Right. Um, I'm not going to get the opportunity to close for compensation if I don't ask. That's what closing is, is mm-hmm. it's fundamentally asking a question. Right. Um, I'm not going to be able to be your trusted guide if I don't ask you where the heck you want to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And and constantly throughout this whole time of working with somebody, I have to be able to ask questions that help us stay in clarity. So if I want to apply my specialty knowledge and I want to apply my access to all my resources extremely well, then I have to learn how to ask and ask again and ask some more and ask again and ask again. And in the process of closing or in the process of negotiations where asking shows up is I'm not always just asking for the business. I'm asking to make sure we are still moving forward together. Right. This is where things like trial closes uh, become or should become very, very natural because I'm not trial closing you all the time for a signature. But if we're having a consultation and I'm proving myself, I'm demonstrating that I'm the trusted guide. I need to like stop for a second, turn around and say, hey, are, are you still climbing this mountain with me? Mm-hmm. Because if you took a hard left turn, I, I need to know about that. And I need to know about that before I'm too far up the mountain. Yeah. The word that we used in one of our past episodes was alignment, right? Yeah. Like, are we still in alignment in what what's important to you and that I'm driving this bus in the right direction, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So if, if I apply my knowledge and I give you access to all of my resources and then I take that in, in a skillful way, I help negotiate with you and for you, both of those two things, and I help you stay in perspective. All of that is framed up by be asking, asking for business and asking for clarity at every step along the way. And if if I do those things, now I'm going to be able to close for compensation. I'm going to get, be able to give that ask that causes somebody to say yes to paying me as a trusted guide. The other ask in this, and I'll, I'll just throw this out there, is if you do a great job of being a trusted guide to your client, and you get them that a amazing experience that we talked about with your, yeah. you know, your trip that you just went on where you ranted and raved about how, how extraordinary it was than if you had just done it yourself. Yeah. If you deliver that to your clients, the end of the transaction, you ask them for a referral. Yeah. They're going to love to give you a referral. Absolutely. Right. Do you want your friends to have the same kind of experience with their trusted guy that you did? Yeah. Okay, great. I'm that guy. Yeah. Perfect. So hopefully uh, you guys listened to all these episodes. This was uh, uh, probably one of my favorite series we've done in this because I think that uh, I wish that when I was a, a brand new agent that I had resources like this. Sure. So hopefully 
This uh, has an impact on you, empowers you, and encourages you. And check out our next episode, which is uh, all about listening. And the title for that is going to be Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. So we look forward to it. It's hard to not finish the rest of that. It's going to be good, guys. Yeah, it's going to be good. Take care, everybody. Bye.